As they leave, we'll begin our reading from the book of Acts. As we have this collection of passages during this Eastertide season, they come to us from the book of Acts and invite us to think about what, what were those Acts and what might it look like for the church today to be like the church of Acts, to, in effect, act up and do those kinds of things that create the conditions for healing and nurture and growth and life that we saw in that early church. So uh, we hear the story of a man named Saul earlier uh, than the chapter will begin. He is first seen as one who is uh, holding the coats of others while they stone Christians to death. For Paul is a religious leader and Saul is a religious leader and feels this compulsion to uh, eliminate the people of the way. Chapter 9. Meanwhile, Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue at Damascus, so that if he found anyone who belonged to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now he was going along and approaching Damascus, as suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He asked, who are you, Lord? The reply came, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up, enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with Saul were, were speechless because they heard the voice but saw no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. For three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. He answered, Here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, get up and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. At this moment, he's praying, and he's seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has the authority from the chief priest to bind all those who invoke your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. I myself will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias went and entered the house. He laid his hand on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on your way here, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and his sight was restored. Then he got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. For several days, he was with the disciples in Damascus, and immediately... 
began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogues, saying, He is the Son of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. May that same voice, that same loving, wooing, transforming voice, speak to people's hearts and minds even today. Here in this space, in churches up and down our street and all around our city, may Easter continue to show its resurrecting power and bring healing to your world. We would unite our hearts with you. You who are more beautiful than we ever imagined you to be. We see you as a loving parent who brings us all together. And so we echo again the words Jesus taught his first disciples to pray as we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. On the marquee at the St. Francis of Assisi Church up the street, Every year about this time, there is a quotation that appears. It's a quotation that reminds me of the year that my son went to school there, for I know about this time of year, they're learning about the Holocaust, the, the, the horrors that uh, were uh, played upon the, the Jewish people in, in Israel and around, the, uh, around Europe uh, by Hitler and the Nazis. The quote is one from the diary of Anne Frank, that young girl who fled Germany into Amsterdam but could not uh, avoid the the Nazi uh, SS troops. She died in a prison camp. They found her diary, and here's the line that they put on the marquee. In spite of everything, I still believe people are good at heart. Think about that. How could she write that in such a context If people are good at heart, can we at least say that our bodies are way off the path? Which is why I think Jesus came into the world in love to bring us back to the way, the truth, and the life. As I said, we first learned of Saul, this professional religious person, earlier in the book of Acts. Later he will say about himself, I've got the bona fides. I'm, I'm legit. I'm the real deal circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the tribe of Israel, of the, of the specific tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, one who prosecutes the church, as to the law, blameless. Pretty good. But Just because you're a professional religious person or any kind of religious person doesn't guarantee that we stay on the right path. Religion can get bastardized just as much as any of other God's other beautiful and good gifts. Food, water, 
fire, money, sex, politics, power. They can work for good or they can work for ill. They can work toward love. They can pull in the direction of God or they can pull in the direction of darkness and fear and death. By Acts chapter 9, we read that Saul, this religious leader, his religion has him breathing threats and murder against the disciples of this group called the Way. Breathing threats and murder. It reminds me, last week we heard Jesus breathing Holy Spirit onto his disciples. Breathing Holy Spirit breathing threats and murder. These are people who represent two profoundly different ways. There's the way of Jesus, which is the way of abundance, of love and forgiveness, of harmony of all that God has created in such a way that we see life more graciously and more gratefully as Jesus did. It's a way, and it's a choice. It's the way of abundance. The way of Saul may have begun much in this way of abundance. It's a way about God. It's about tradition. It's about rules. It's about discipline. All very good things. But something turned. Something got lost in the turning. Rules get reduced to fear that one might make a mistake and that somehow God is going to be angry with us forever. Traditions get get calcified into such a way that, that people have to do everything lockstep and in order, creating a very small club of people that follow faithfully. It's as if Saul's strength as a religious person creates a shadow, a shadow, a darkness over this way that he's living into. God has become this taskmaster. God becomes the God of scarcity rather than the God of abundance. And that's what happens sometimes. We take the thing that we love and and we hold it so tightly that we kill it. We kill it. That can happen uh, with... uh, Sports, you like sports, but you hold it, you love it too much, and it takes over your life. Or, or fitness or relationships, these dimensions of life that are beautiful and life-giving, but if held too tightly, too singularly, you just squeeze the life out of them. Do you remember Lenny in John Steinbeck's novel of Mice and Men? Lenny was a disabled man who loved soft, furry things. He had this dream of someday having a rabbit hutch where he could have rabbits that he could pet all day long. But he loved to catch little mice and keep them in his pocket where he would pet them. Only Lenny, this big, strong man, would pet them to death. He would pet the life out of them. Saul has somehow managed to pet the life out of the love of God. To turn it into something that it's not. So that instead of re- religion being a, a tool that points to God and invites transformation in the hands of Saul, the tool has become a, become a weapon to kill other people. And then this light happens. He's on his way to Damascus. 
to round up more of these people of the way, to take them back to Jerusalem for prosecution. And all of a sudden, this light and this voice, he's knocked down and he's blinded. Now, I've never had that happen. But I have had the experience of hearing God's voice and realizing how completely blind I am to situations and people and the capacity to love beyond my own limitations. I wonder if Saul, on his way from Jerusalem to Damascus, began to recite some scriptures as a way to pass the time. No radio, no iPod, no nothing to to do, but perhaps recite some scriptures to read from Psalm 30. The Lord's anger is got but for a moment. His love is for a lifetime and realize, oh, my God's been angry for a really long time. Perhaps to read the Ten Commandments and say, Honor your father and mother. Don't commit adultery. Don't kill. Oh, what am I doing? To read Micah 6.8, to recite that verse that we all know inscribed in our lobby. What does the Lord require? But to do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with God. Maybe Saul thought, wow, I'm requiring a lot more than that. A lot more detail. Or to read Hosea who says the sacrifice that God wants from us is this loving heart. And to realize, thought Saul, I'm, I'm requiring a, a lot more sacrifice than what God is requiring. In other words, Saul realizes, I've gotten off the path. I, I, I've been blind to, to what's real and what's true and what has always been real and true about God. Now, I have experienced that kind of encounter, as if my my life and my direction and my motivation have been exposed by some giant light, and it reveals the truth, and it blinds me until I realize I've been blind all along. I've been walking the wrong direction. I need someone to take me by the hand and put me back on the path. You know, don't you, that God still speaks to people whose hearts are open to God. This isn't just about Ananias and Saul. This is about you and me hearing that voice and and responding with our lives and having ourselves put back on this path, this awakening, blinding voice. Light and this voice, this is the voice of God, and it confronts Saul. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul, a religious man, realizes this is a sacred voice. Who are you, Lord? And the response is, I'm Jesus. Jesus. Jesus had been killed months ago. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. The voice, the voice always wants to connect the dots for us. I am living. I am Jesus. And I am the one you're persecuting. 
Do you hear the connection? He made the same connection in his very last parable. He said, when you feed the hungry, when you clothe the naked, when you visit the sick, when you go to see the prisoner, who are you really seeing? You're seeing me, me. I'm alive. I'm alive in them. I'm alive in the world. And I'm inviting you to see something that you're missing all together. This is a God of abundance. This is a God who discards no one or no thing. That everything gets redeemed in the economy of God. Even Saul. Saul the hater. Saul the murderer. It's as if the words of young Anne Frank were being lived out in spite of everything. I still believe that people are good at heart. And so the voice says to Saul, not only you're persecuting me, but then this invitation, get up. Go to the city and I will show you what to do. God is creating a partnership with, of all people, the people that the Christians most feared and most rejected. And here we see that the need for conversion is not only on Saul's part, but it's also on the part of the church. The church has to have its eyes opened. Yesterday, as our deacons interviewed Lauren, one of the very good questions that was asked by Terry was, Highland is very good at including all kinds of people, LGBT community, the poor, people in recovery programs. But what about people who are more traditional, maybe more conservative, more evangelical? Is there room in our family for those folk? It's a great question. It's a reminder to us that if we're going to be the full people of God, if we're going to complete the story, it's not just about awakening the souls of the world, but awakening the church that in reality, those people that we see on the other side of the aisle are enemies, are in fact our brothers and sisters. We may have gone different directions, We may have different language. We may have forgotten the connection. But who we are at our core is brother and sister. And so Ananias, this member of this fledgling young church who's being hunted down by this notorious Saul of Tarsus, this religious Nazi, has the voice of God speak to him and say to him, I want you to make room. I want you to welcome Saul. Now, that's a tall order. It's like the time God said to Moses, I want you to pick up that snake by the tail. Really? You want me to pick it? You want me to trust Saul? Someone quoting quoting the prophet of old, the lion and the lamb will lie down together, said, yeah, that may be so, but the lamb's never going to get much sleep. 
You know, how are you going to trust? It's like saying to the United States, we would like to let ISIS relocate here in Louisville, Kentucky. I mean, who would judge us if we said, ah, we don't think so. We'll keep our doors locked. Which is why, to me, the most revolutionary verse in this text and perhaps in all of the Bible is the first words that Ananias has to Saul. The first words of this representative of the church says to this enemy of the church as he says to him, Brother Saul, Brother Saul, The church is the people of the way of Jesus that's not restricted by fear or tribalism or scarcity. We're the church of abundance. We say, Brother Saul. And we may have to be awakened and converted to this again and again and again. It's our growth edge, Highland, to welcome all in the name of Christ, to call their names, and to say they're valued. Our Friday church ministry group had a retreat uh, a week ago, last Saturday. Many of you know Friday church is a more casual service. It invites all kinds of people, but including people from recovery programs and desperate situations. And we have been talking for years about how do we come alongside? How do we help? How How do we be an ally? As the group talked throughout the day, they came to the conclusion that the most important work that we do at Friday Church is to speak people's names, to make a space for them, to give them a welcome, and to say with our words and with our actions, you matter. You're part of the family of God. Whether you know it or not, you and I are sister and brother. We're kin. It makes all the difference in the world. Brother Saul. And the scales of blindness fall off and the distance of separation shrinks because Paul, Saul becomes Paul. Paul. The great apostle of the New Testament. Who later would write, I think in reflection of who he had been, Even when I speak with the tongues of mortals and angels, even if I do all these heroic acts, if I don't have love, if I don't have love, none of it counts for anything. For there's the missing ingredient in Saul's religion. He'd lost the love somewhere. Not just our love, but the sacred love that holds all of life together. And I realize... If the infant church hadn't acted as it did, if it hadn't acted what it experienced in Jesus, this inclusion and grace and forgiveness and risk and love, if it hadn't acted up, Saul might have stayed Saul. He might never have become Paul. And I think about all the people in our city, all the people you know, who are stuck in a Saul kind of way, going down a direction that doesn't bring life or hope or harmony. And the invitation of people like you and me to say, brother, sister, 
come walk in this other way, this abundant way, to believe that people are good at heart, to see what's always there, what's always been true, and that is we are one. Whether we've known it or not, we are one. Our enemies are our brothers and sisters who have forgotten our connection. We're one. Brother Saul, welcome. Let's pray together. Christ, you who rose from the dead, who by your love came back not with vengeance, but with grace and mercy, who returned to Simon Peter and gave him the opportunity to to declare his love for you. Come back to us, Lord. Give us the chance this week to bear your love, to live with faith, to be your people, now and always. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Our hymn